I'm gonna make him an awfully gamble for you. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. My mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna get. 1.21 gigawatts! I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! The second rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. This is Sparta! You know, there's a million fine-looking women in the world, dude, but they don't all bring you lasagna at work. Most of them just cheat on you. Hello, and welcome to The Briefcase, a show that attempts to encompass everything filmmaking from an independent filmmaker's point of view. I'm your host, Matt, and sitting across from me is the Mr. Miyagi to my Danielson and the Hannibal to my Clarice, but most importantly, my business partner and co-host, Dave. Dave, how the hell are you? Hello, Mr. Ramo. I'm going to tell you something. I hate her. Anyway, uh, jumping right in, uh, we're going to pay some bills. So right off the top, here we go. This episode is sponsored by The Comic Collective. The Comic Collective is a group who has come together to celebrate and share their love and passion for comics, cosplay, and everything in the growing community. If this sounds like you or someone you know, head over to Instagram and search the underscore comic underscore collective and follow them for everything comic book related and much more. This episode is also sponsored by the Westchester Fight Club. Are you like me and you made a New Year's resolution to get in shape but haven't lifted a finger? Well, have no fear because the staff over at the Westchester Fight Club will help you keep on track. Their friendly and knowledgeable staff will help you reach any goal you have in mind, whether it's losing a few pounds, learning how to defend yourself, or even getting yourself on a personalized meal plan. Mike Chirico and his dedicated crew will be there every step of the way. So if you're in the greater metro area of New York City, come and check out Westchester Fight Club. All right, so today is a special episode for us at The Briefcase. Uh, when we began plotting the course of The Briefcase, we said we definitely wanted to have our friends who were in the industry on the show as guests. And uh, while it's great to hear from me and Dave uh, about our misadventures in filmmaking and all that, it's much better to have other voices be heard from from time to time, if only to shut us up. Um, our very first guest comes to us from our hometown of the Bronx, and like us, is an only child, which is something I definitely want to talk about but also shares our level of passion for filmmaking. She's an international director and writer and executive producer with a win at, two, at the 2017 official Latino Short Film Festival for Best Documentary. And, uh, I mean, we couldn't have picked a better guest for our first guest, uh, Miss Layla Rosario. Thank you. Greetings. Happy to be here. Yeah. <laughs> What's up? VX represent. <laughs> um, so, uh, before we dive into the uh, amazingness that is you, Thank you. I wanted to say something about the BX. So recently, <laughs> <laughs> Dave has heard this rant before. Recently, um, I applied to two uh, separate Bronx film festivals. 
And I thought, I've been, I was born and raised in the Bronx. I'm 30 plus years in the Bronx. I'm 40 years in the Bronx now. Um, Damn. Yeah, I'm old. I'm old. We, we is old. <laughs> okay. Yeah, <laughs> collect that for all. Collectively, we're old. Yeah. Oh, geez, almost 60. All right. Anyway, um, but I didn't get in. But I, I didn't care about that. What bothered me was the way they represented the Bronx. One, I, I won't say who, but one of the festivals was their website's tagline was show yo talent. And I thought, okay. She's already shaking her she's, head. She's, she's, she's so mad. So she's, yeah. she's, she's, she's with it. Yeah. And I'll ask why you're shaking your head in a second. I'm shaking my head because why is it that the Bronx has to rest on the laurels of being the birthplace of hip hop and the Yankees? Why can't... The Bronx is still a very diverse borough. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, I lived... The neighborhood we're sitting in right now used to be all Irish. Now it's very Dominican and Indian. I mean, you can't get a, a more culture shock kind of cla- yeah. you know clashing there. And... I've always felt like, you know, I love the Bronx. Uh, when I was 16 and 17, I was born Bronx bred. Uh, oh, man, I fucked that up. <laughs> Bronx born, Bronx be- bred. And when I die, I'll be Bronx dead. So I always thought like, this is it. I'm not going anywhere. But right. now as I get older, I look at stuff like that and I think, like, why? Why do we, why do we have to portray hood? Why do we have to be hood? Why does it yeah. have to be like, why do we all have to like downplay our talents? Or like, why do we have to fit in a box? like that yeah so are you asking me my opinion on it or well you shook your head so i feel like maybe you have you have a maybe a similar i mean i'm not i'm not familiar with the festival and that's not any shade casted in any way but um but in terms of just based on what we're talking about right now and understanding the scenario i think the audience that they are looking to have is a certain type of audience which is fine but it's also representing just a portion of the bronx as Mm -hmm. opposed to just being um, looking at it from a lens that this is in such a in such a borough, there is a global, um, I want to say, perspective because mm-hmm. you do have such a large diverse community. Um, even just growing up where I where I was on Bailey Avenue, I re- I recall it being a combination of Dominican, Puerto Rican, or rather Afro Caribbean, um, mm-hmm. and then also too Irish, Italian. Jewish community, so mm-hmm. you had everything. I don't think that just represents the Bronx having that particular sort of catch line and phrase. But it also, I guess, for me, I look at it from a marketing standpoint. They're clearly doing it to yeah. represent a certain demographic instead of just looking at it like maybe we should market it in a way that it also attracts all types of filmmakers. The Bronx doesn't have to still have the label like it's the it's the hood. It's this. It's yeah, that. we're so far from the Bronx we're, is burning. We, we've and, moved on. This yeah. is 2019. Mm-hmm. Let's let's keep moving on. Yeah, like, my there's thing, so many other things that have grown out of it. Sure. You know? Yeah. My thing has always been just because we're from the hood doesn't mean we're hood. Yeah. yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and I think that's what my takeaway was is like. You could portray this as hood, but there's plenty of people out there that aren't hood. Like I'm an Italian, I'm I'm an Italian kid. I grew up Italian kid, whatever. But I grew up American. I, mm-hmm. I didn't have like Italian traditions. But I grew up in a melting pot neighborhood, and so when I went to high school, I saw the Italian kids, which at the at, at that time in the late '90s they were all Guidos with blowouts. Mm-hmm. I couldn't I couldn't identify with them. Mm-hmm. And then I look around, I couldn't identify with anyone. I was a, like a misfit metalhead, you know. I found one or two misfit metalheads, and we kind of clung together. But I was chameleon. I stuck with all these groups. And so I think what ended up happening, and I told this to Dave, was like my whole life I felt like I never fit anywhere. And the one place, home, I don't fit there either. Yeah. So I think that's really what spawned this kind of like 
what the fuck? Why why is it gotta be show yo, you know, come yeah. on. Like we all have talent. It doesn't have to be yo talent. You yeah, know? I get so. it. I get it. I think for me growing up I, I grew up not too far from David. We're yeah. we are we go way back. <laughs> from like, way back. Yeah, Further back than me and Dave do. Yeah, from like Oh my goodness, junior high school. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah so seventh yeah, grade. Seventh grade. Oh man. But um, but where I grew up to, I had I, I had access to all types of friends. Mm-hmm. So that also too, Same. you know, I had Muslim friends, I had Jewish friends, yep. I had friends who were Christian. So for me, having a very um, worldly, sorry, um, level of access to understanding cultures, perspectives on spirituality, different beliefs and so forth. And everyone's still being able to get along and coexist. Mm -hmm. And growing up in the eighties, you know, where we grew up, it was dangerous. Yeah. 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 I mean, to the point where I'll leave that for maybe an (laughs) offline conversation, (laughs) but like seeing things at a very early age, I grew up quick And and growing up quick. You also learn at a very early age how to, capitalize off of your street smarts <laughs> oh yeah ain't nothing, listen ain't nothing wrong with that you know that. and like between like i'm like uh, you know i'm still like i'm bougetto i'm bougie ghetto so i have you know i've got the <laughs> heel on ghetto but i, I like also have a i also have an uptown so there's like one with the heel one with the uptown because that's who i am i'm like i still have both i have feet planted in both yeah. but it's also just knowing how to how to work those right sure. wearing the many hats so but getting back to your point about this particular festival, I think it all comes down to who they want to represent, and it's not just everyone. No, so, of course, and yeah. and, and I don't know. And that's fine. To you know, more the merrier. Yeah, sure. <laughs> to I mean, each his own. That's fine. You know, don't need me in a stupid festival anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you said wearing many hats. Let's let's talk about that. Yeah. You you've got a lot under your belt. Yeah. Uh, let's see. It's so. a stretchy belt. <laughs> <laughs> With stretchy what, pants. <laughs> what, what do you say, Dave, about spandex? It's a right, not a privilege. Oh, yeah, it's definitely a right, not it a privilege. It is definitely a right. <laughs> um, so I don't know. What do you What do you want to touch on first? Let's see. I, I I got you up top as let's see. Now your website. I took all the information for your website because I'm yeah. a terrible researcher. Yeah. I just I basically plagiarized it. <laughs> Thank you, Catholic School. Twelve years Catholic School. That's all you. I learned. Uh, International director. Let's talk about that first. Sure. Um, how I got into directing. So let's talk a little bit about my origins. Yes. Right? And so we're, we're comic book nerds. We love a good origin. You story. love a good origin story. <laughs> we did three episodes on ours. I could talk all day, <laughs> but you don't want oh, me. Trust doing... me, we can too. <laughs> but for me, um, you know, I grew up in the Bronx, as mentioned, and then also too being an only child, nerdy kid. Um, introvert, extrovert. So I had my moments where I was like playing Nintendo and Sega and, you know, writing these stories and having my friends act them out at a very early age. Um, at the age of eight in second grade, I remember one of my school friends, Tracy, she looked at me, she was like, you're bossy. And I was like, I don't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> but what I do know is that when we are on stage, you do need to know your lines. So let's just keep it moving. <laughs> I'm sure I didn't say all of that, but I do recall her she, saying... She meant... She said to me, you're bossy. And I was like, I don't understand what that means. But anyway, let's get, let's just keep it moving. Um, so at an early age, I, it was just within me to be able to communicate and be a communicator, a people person. And maybe part of that had to do with the fact that I am an only child. So I craved the the level of so like having a 
a, a group, a group of friends that I can play with, that mm-hmm. I can, you know, do things with and activities. Because again, I grew up very quickly and I was also around adults all the time. Yeah. So after a while, having imaginary friends just got passe. And I was just like, I should probably get some real friends and try to be social in real life. And, um, and that, that took its time. And then, you know, my mom saw at an early age that, and I give her credit for this, that there was a passion for filmmaking at an early age and she had an old camera Minolta SRT 101 and I would take that camera and I would just photograph everything in the hood with 30 like my I got my little you know $20 allowance she was like you better save it and I would go spend it on developing my film (laughs) and I was like going to the local place like putting all the money into into getting my prints and when I would get my prints there was something at an early age that when looking at the images I got excited and my mom caught on to like this is something that she's finding joy in. Mm-hmm. And granted dance and there were other things that she put me in because she was, she saw a very active kid and she's like, if I don't put her in things, she's going to drive me fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and so with my dad, they're like, let's just put her in everything. Let's just get her to let's the tire museums. Her out. Let's just wear her out. <laughs> like the local community center has a free dance class. Let's put her in that shit too. And just kept me just like did that. But That's then awesome. when I got the camera, the camera launched that excitement and mm-hmm. When in high school, my I'm giving you the full origin story. When Love in high it. school, Jackie Fuchs, I don't know where you are in life, but I want to thank you, shake your hand, because mentors and teachers are important. Yes. Education is important. Yes. And if it were not for her and my mother, they really did reshape and not reshape, sorry, shape my path. Mm-hmm. And then it was up to me to decide to walk it. My mother at, at an early age, she saw, okay, my kid likes this. Guess what? Urban World Film Festival needs volunteers. She saw it in a newspaper at the age of 15. She was like, I'm going to go and inquire about this for my kid. She's a minor, but maybe she can go and get some experience. At 15, I was reading scripts at Urban World Film Festival. I was already helping, you know, with the with um, just assisting in any way. And because I loved reading and I loved, you know, filmmaking at an early age, that exposed me to screenwriting, script writing, understanding what it is to have character development at 15. So I saw that and I just said, I really like this. I want to keep volunteering whenever I can during summers. And I did for other festivals, but that was the first one that also exposed me to understanding filmmaking markets and understanding distribution. I was sitting in meetings at that age and just (laughs) taking it all in. And then I, after when I was done, I would, I would go home and just be back in the Bronx. But then, (laughs) but, but in between that too, like I got exposed to parties at an early age and because I'd never, I never dabbled in any of that shit. Like I'm talking about drugs or whatever, mm-hmm. but because I saw what it did to my family and I saw what it did to my community. So me being in a rich sort of environment with privileged people and money and all of that shit going around, it didn't phase me. Cause I was just like, that is killing people I know on the street. Mm-hmm. So I won't touch that. I'm just going to continue to keep moving forward. Fast forward. I applied for NYU. I got into New York university and I graduated from Tisch. I focused on, um, I went for undergrad and I focused on taking a lot of cinematography, camera, lighting. And then fast forward into that, like I worked in London um, as a PA. I got my visa after school and I I went over there and I lived in London for a bit. And that was like my first real international production experience living in London and working at MPC, the moving picture company, visual effects company, when I was at the age of 23. And um, since then, I've just been in the game. And I think as a filmmaker, you have to try everything you have to, or storyteller, however you want to identify yourself. But if you're creating content, right? Because that's what the kids are saying that these days. Content creator. I'm a content creator. So if you're creating content, 
I think for me, what's important is to share that really understand all the roles. And sometimes you have to be the hustler and you're editing your friend's film. Plus you're also like photographing weddings. And I did all that shit. I was photographing weddings. Oh, I was man. editing mm-hmm. films. I was being PA because being a PA, you don't make money as a PA. No. You, you really don't, but you're getting the exposure and just understanding all those roles until you really know what you want. And everyone thinks too, like, oh, I'm just going to be able to be the next big thing. It takes years. It takes time. And good things do take time. So giving you all that backstory to answer your question, right? (laughs) How did I become a director? So when I worked as an advertising producer, this is actually a key part to the story. (coughs) I started to notice that when I was in the, what you call triple bid phase at agencies, where you, where you take on bids from other vendors and they're presenting their directors they're Mm -hmm. presenting their bids and you're doing this and you're presenting it to the clients and to the agency doing that for 10 years, right? For so many big brands, I started to notice that there was a lack of female directing representation. And I'm just like, these are my, I'm producing this. These are my productions. Why is it one out of the three? It's not even a woman. And also too, there's, there's also not a lens of, of having that vision come from a woman. Yes, internally you had female copywriters, art directors, and so forth. But when it came down to actually the bidding phase, I saw a lack of representation of women, especially women of color. Mm-hmm. And within the last three years, I took that on seriously for myself. And I said, you know what? I love directing. And also, too, I know what I want to direct, and I'm going to start directing it independently to work on projects that I believe in that are not being made, and then also to work with other writers who I believe in their projects to be able to make that come to life. So that's happened within, we're now in 2019. I want to say in the ending of 2015 is when I started taking it seriously. (laughs) And then just putting my name in, and I write the director's treatments. And because I come from, from... now, you know, 10 plus years of advertising production experience, you can't fuck with me on a bid because now <laughs> I'm like, I already know how, like, you want to talk about NDAs? You want to talk about union or non-union? Like I can angle it in such a way. And also too, when it comes to writing it, because I have experience with so many different types of brands and we can get into that in a second, I come from it. Like I'm writing from a director's lens, but also when I do create and I'm working, I'm also working it from a perspective is coming from here, from the heart but also keeping in mind, like, what is the end goal? What is the message yeah. that I'm looking to portray? I'm not too here to, um, you know, I'm here uh, creating my own special sauce. Directing is nothing new. But what is my voice? What's my spe- special sauce? What's that, what separates you from? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I think what separates, not, not that you asked that, but I think no. for me. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but I think for me what separates myself is because... I come from a creative, logistical, and technical background. I can light your thing. I can shoot your thing. I can also produce it. And and because of that, I don't fuck with editing because I think editing is this very special, you know, skill set, which I, res- I just love working with an editor because once you, you take everything that you shoot and you direct having an editor that can come in with a fresh pair of eyes. Like I, I love that. I love working with editors. So I don't mess with that, but the three, the directing, producing, um, and also DPing. Yeah. Uh, you want a podcast? (laughs) So why do you think there's a lack of representation of women in filmmaking? 
Um, oh God, that is such a very hard question. And but in your opinion, what do you my, think it is? In my opinion, I think it's, I think it has to do with many, th- oh, sorry. I keep leaning back and <laughs> getting so comfortable. It's okay. <laughs> it's a good thing. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I got my stretchy pants on, so. <laughs> I should have put mine on. Matt has a pair of wrestling right. pants. He likes to but <laughs> run around in. Why I think it's difficult, I think, I think for, for myself, I can't speak in general, sure. but for myself, it was difficult for me because already the perception of me is like, oh, you're the receptionist. No shade there. But like, <laughs> oh, you're the maintenance worker. Like, oh, there were certain things that I was already labeled without sure. someone asking me, like, what is your role on this set? Or like, oh, you're the talent. It's like, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. But instead of assuming it, just ask me like, oh, what's your contribution? Like, which department are you in? And for me, why I think it's difficult is because when someone, when I was younger, they would look at me, they will automatically think she doesn't know anything. Mm-hmm. She, she's not aware. She's uninformed. She's uneducated. She can't articulate sentences. I've literally had men in corporate meetings say, you're a lot smarter than I thought you were. Jesus Christ. And I've wanted to then take that uptown sneaker mm-hmm. and smack mm-hmm. them across the face. <laughs> and be like, you. are you kidding me? But then again, but, when you do do that, they're like, oh, from the yeah, yeah exactly you know and i'm mean? like so i can't like, yeah it's just like that. which which which, <laughs> which angle were you gonna go with so for me i found it difficult because also two people have put me in boxes like well so i see you produce but you also direct but you know we're not looking for a director producer so don't get excited and i was like i know what i signed up for and i'm here to do a job so don't tell me mm-hmm. what i can and i can't do because i'm already coming to you knowing that this is what i'm contracted to do you're not going to hear me have conversations about anything else i could do we didn't discuss that and not, not to mention that's an additional service that i wouldn't yeah. give to you you're not free. you're not paying me right? yeah. you're not paying me anyway <laughs> yeah. so why yeah. would i bring that to the table right but that was then that was then in terms of finding the space and then once i realized that I'm not here to ask for permission. And that was something that the confidence over time continued to build. This, this, the confidence within me, it's like, wait a minute, I do have a voice. Wait a minute, I do have skill sets, knowledge, experience, and not being afraid to own that space and, and claim it and not ask for permission and not ask like, oh, can I come and work here? Can I come and work on your film? And no, now it's it's more of this is what I want to work on. This is these are the people that I want to work with. Why I think it continues to be difficult is because people are not ready to see women of color own shit and run shit. It's true. And be able to be the CEOs and be able to run productions and thank God for, you know, Lena Waithe and Ava and we have filmmakers that are out there who are taking and claiming the spaces and creating platforms and bridging bridging the gap of the new wave of filmmakers. And I'm so excited to see what that is going to do for Hollywood, for independent cinema. Um, So we need more champions like that, more leaders to be able to, you know, be advocates of our creative, um, our creativity, and then also to how to be businesswomen. And I think that's the other thing too. It's just when first starting out in this industry, why it was so difficult is because people would look at me. I look, I look younger, thank God, jeans. But um, <laughs> but also too, they wouldn't take me seriously. Like, oh, you're Puerto Rican from the Bronx. Like, what do you know? Like, yeah. you're not pregnant yet, or like, wow. oh, you graduated mm. from NYU. So how'd you get into there? These were real things. These were it's real things that yeah. yeah were you know said to me. But um, I think now with technology and with um, access 
having access globally from your mobile device, from social platforms, filmmakers are creating their own space and channels to be able to make the content that they want. And there will be an audience for everything. And I do believe in that. You do have an audience. You, you, you do have someone who's interested in what you're creating. It's just that now that we have the space, whether you're a woman, whether you're a woman of color, uh, whether you are a person of color, um, we're in an exciting time to be able to make the space because of technology. And I do believe that that's been a beneficial part of also to what I'm creating with, you know, the next projects that I'm working on. And speaking of which, you are the co-creator and executive producer of a series called The Gig. Yes. So um, for those who aren't familiar, tell us a little bit, like give us a short. Sure. Yeah. Um, the Gig is is an online series that focuses on film and TV from behind the scenes and on the screen. So we give you everything from movie reviews to tutorials to understanding and discussing pop culture. Also, two women of color giving you film reviews, which is not... Um, we don't necessarily see that often. And yeah. Jessica L. Ransom is the co-creator and executive producer with me on this. And our producer and cameraman, Paolo Andrandre, I fucked up your name. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Paolo. And, but the, the three of us, we came together to create the gig. Mm -hmm. And the gig focuses on women of color producers. So we represent women of color producers, but it's also open to anyone who wants to understand our way of communicating production. So the gig, that's what the gig is. And the gig is also going to give an audience access to friends of ours who we do know who are professionals. People are gonna learn the art of sound. We're gonna bring on cinematographers who are going to discuss cinematography, but not just discuss it. Also, um, these are people who are in the community that are either representing LGBTQ community, uh, uh, women of color, person of color, and that's our angle for it. And we're really excited about it. And we are fortunate to have people within our pocket that we've worked with throughout the years. We have 25 years combined of production experience that we're able to bring on as mentors. So think of masterclass, right? But instead of paying for masterclass, <laughs> you're getting something that is accessible by two producers who know how to make this work. So the visuals are going to be great. The, the sound design is going to be great. And that's because we have the resources to be able to do this, um, on our own. And once we, you know, we're, we're just excited. So the gig, check it out. It's called the gig series.co. And we are on Instagrams, uh, Instagram, not the oh, grams. And it's uh, the gig <laughs> series. Okay. So, yeah, there's that's that, what we're We could just on. let them believe there's another Instagram, but they're not cool enough to <laughs> have. Instagrams. That's the one the production people use. Y'all people need to. Right. The one you hide from your mom? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, we're really excited. We're excited for the things to come and the people on board for it. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, what now? I mean, you've spoken a lot already about. Um, kind of seeing the lack of representation for not only people of color, women of color, um, sexuality, questioning. Uh, is that what, for lack of a better term, spawned this? Is Where did this project come from? Sure. So this project... <laughs> this project came from a couple a drinks. <laughs> you know, that would be a great idea. Yeah, you know, that would be a great idea, Jessica. Um, a few years ago, that's Jessica, how me and Dave make films. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> Jessica and I, we are I friends. I put on my Becky real... voice. <laughs> 
Jessica and I were friends in real life. Uh, we've been friends for a very long time. So she's one of my um, producers in crime, sister, my spirit sister. But more importantly, too, or to add to that, is she's the, she and I, we talk about production all the time. And a few years ago, I had said to her, I was like, I think I want to make something. And we didn't know the name of it yet. And sure. I was like, this is what I want to do. And I was like, do you want to do it? And she was like, oh, maybe, maybe. And then finally, last year, she was like, I'm ready. And I said, I've been waiting. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I've been waiting for you to say yes to this. And, it just, and, and the place came from a place of, for her, she was just like, yeah, it finally clicked on, clicked for her when she was on set last year and it was a young PA that came to her and she had an, like a, just a, an epiphany saying, oh my God, she's asking me all these things. She's not aware of how to break into production. Mm-hmm. And she realized that when she was mentoring her on set that she goes, I see Layla. I, I see what, uh, I see what Layla's talking about. She had the aha about. moment. She had the aha moment. And then she was like, you know what? I'm ready to do this. And I said, fantastic. Okay, great. For me, when I thought, when I was thinking it through a few years ago, I just didn't see anything like it. I didn't see anything that was like, well, where are the women that are technical like me and have the mm-hmm. the, the skill set to discuss that? And where are the women like Jessica who re, who are excellent at writing and she's a writer and she can discuss everything from character development and from storytelling? And I didn't see that. And I didn't see anyone that's quirky and that can also just be fun and, and, and have both of the best of both worlds with filmmaking. So that's where it came from. It's just a need for it. Yeah. And uh, and I said, why am I waiting for someone else to make it? It's why true. Why am I waiting? Like, we'll it's make true. it. We'll do it. It's funny. You 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 discuss your partner, your uh, production partner. I'm sitting there. I'm like, that's me and Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> it's yeah. like like the other night. I was like, hey Matt, you got a second for a two minute conversation? It turned into an hour conversation <laughs> on the phone. Literally. So I said, hour. We talked about whatever we had to talk about for five minutes, and I was like. Well, while I got you on the phone. <laughs> and we just went down the laundry list of all the other stuff, all the stuff we, we need to resolve. Yeah. I love it. But it's great to have someone that you can yeah. um, bounce ideas off of yeah. and work together with. And I'm, I'm fortunate to have Jessica, excuse me, Jessica as that person. And also now with Paolo. Paolo came on board and he saw, he saw it. He was like, I'm in. Yeah. He, he, he said, he, professionally, he also works in the industry as a cameraman and as an editor. And he said, I'm in. So he said, I see where this is going and I'll come on board as, as camera operating it and shooting it. And I said, okay, well, the trifecta is now, yeah. like the forces have united. So <laughs> we're ready. <laughs> I think I think that's that's the most uh, flattering thing you can get from a project is when you explain it to someone and they ask no question, they go, I'm in. Yeah. Because they get it. And that's that's the person you want to work with. Yeah, absolutely. So Paolo, we appreciate you. Shout out, brother. <laughs> keep doing, keep working. Yeah. Keep fighting. <laughs> Um, so, uh, I want to, I want to dip back to the previous conversation about being an international director. I'm not very worldly. Mm-hmm. Dave is, mm-hmm. um, you're, you have some credits. I took you to Toronto. Uh-huh. <laughs> he literally you got, did. Your, he held the, me by the hand. Yeah. No. First time you ever had to get a passport. <laughs> was, where, where, how long ago was that? Like oh, 2000 and it had to be before Sophia was born. Yeah, so I'd say six, seven years ago. Okay. <laughs> in, in a few years, you'll have to renew. <laughs> no, I, I, I just got back from the Mediterranean on the oh, okay. honeymoon first anniversary. <laughs> but um, thank you. Um, South Africa. Yes. And Haiti. South Africa, like, Haiti, Cuba, Australia. Um, 
that was within the last two years. 2018 alone brought me so many great experiences as a director. A lot of stamps on that passport. A lot of stamps on the passport. <laughs> I started off last year in Haiti. I was fortunate to be um, to be casted as the as the director. Uh, and I say cast it because you do cast talent behind the lens. It's as important as casting in front. And thankfully, um, they saw and believed in me and they said, we want you to come on board. Uh, Claire Douglas, who's a really good friend of mine, she produced everything and she, you know, she works with Simbi, which is an ethical fashion brand. Everything is made in Haiti. So when you purchase things, you're also employing a Haitian artisan. Yeah. So they oh, said, We'd love yeah, it's beautiful. I'm actually, this is one of, these are one of the bracelets um from it and you can't see it but it's actually very nice it's very nice you just and, have to use your imagination <laughs> exactly whatever you think it is that's what <laughs> it, it is, is. <laughs> and uh so simbi owned by two women two female entrepreneurs awesome. and they said we need some new content we want to bring you on board as a director so we worked on original content branded content for their campaign and i did everything from shoot uh sorry uh, direct it as well as handle the still photography mm -hmm. um, and you know worked with an incredible team and, and got to be in Haiti for a week and it was life-changing and beautiful and I can't wait to go back um, it was a ph phenomenal experience and then after that it just things kept rolling then I was in South Africa directing two videos for the one club which is a nonprofit organization that focuses on providing um, uh, creative boot camps for uh, these global boot camps that happen all around the world. So students and, and recent college grads, they're able to uh, continue to excel in if they want to become a creative director, they get paired up with an, a creative in the advertising industry and work on a real brand. And then they're able to pitch. So that pitching process and they're able to build their portfolio and also helps with employments, uh, getting employment. And this happens all around, uh, all throughout Europe, South Africa, areas of the United States. I believe in Asia now too. I could be a little wrong, but that's what I remember from last year. And but then, if she's wrong, why not Asia? Right. Come on, Asia, get on <laughs> no, board. I think, it, I think it is. I think they have a, a boot camp in Asia. But in addition to that, the One Club, they also have their annual award shows, which is like the Oscars for advertising. Mm -hmm. So creative directors, copywriters, they get to win pencils, which focuses on their, their the brands that they worked on, whether like, let's say, White and Kennedy wins for Nike. Right. right. And who were the copywriters that created all the brand, uh, the branded content to make the sneakers that people are wearing? These now? kind of unsung so, heroes. Absolutely. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's it's something like the one club. And there are other ones, too. It's like awards for Mad Men. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Absolutely. It's, That's uh, you know what? That should be their slogan. <laughs> <laughs> we're like that. Award you can send the check over to <laughs> Briefcase Productions. <laughs> yes. absolutely. Attention, David C.D. Yeah. <laughs> so, so myself and Sharina Florence, who was the. Uh, I, I had the fortunate opportunity to work with her as, at, and, and she was a creative director and we went to South Africa on behalf of the One Club and worked with phenomenal talent in Joburg and Cape Town to create two short documentaries on the, pro the creative process and what it is to be a creative and go through the One Camp Creative Boot Camp, the One Club Creative Boot Camp. It is a in South. It is a mouthful <laughs> in South Africa. So again, you know, having that opportunity to direct this and come on board, you know, Sharina, Sharina was the one who brought me on board. She was like, I think it's important for us to do this together. And, uh, yeah, then continued to travel on board in 2018. Um, also too, I was producing, as mentioned, I produced too. So 
last year I got to work with the Yankees. I was at Virtue, which is Vice's ad agency. So they brought me on board and I did a commercial spot for Yankees last year, which was fantastic. And then they brought me back on again to then finish out one of the largest projects I want to say last year that I did, which was for Park MGM. We created six 8.2 second films. Michelle Gondry and Olivier Gondry were our directors. We worked with Partisan. It was a really big fucking deal. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. Yeah, and, it, and I came on board as the senior producer to work across the board on the entire campaign. And what that means is everything from out of home to uh, the social content to the actual film. So... That was just an incredible experience across the board because one, we're working with the Gondries and then also two, I get to work with the agency and the talent at the agency and really just see everything come to life. So those short, uh, those six short films really, they were the success rate. Like it was well received that came out, um, last, I want to say, uh, October, 2018, Mm -hmm. September, October, October, 2018, and um and then since then and then i went to australia to direct so it's been a combination of directing producing but yeah i directed in australia last year too so um and that's coming out that that's a a feature length documentary nice so and it focuses on the creative mind and owner of commune which is a co-working space in australia but it's beyond that now and um samir ali who's the founder of that he saw within me, he was like, I want you to direct something and I want it. I, I'm, I want us to work together. So I've been to Australia twice working on this film with him. And I, I foresee it ha- like us finishing within maybe about another year. Mm-hmm. So that that's a long term project. Documentaries yeah. tend to be there. It's, it's very rare that you set out to make a documentary. You start and finish in a very reasonable amount of time. Yeah. <laughs> as, yeah. We're, as Dave and I are coming to figure out as well. Yeah, And I'm thankful for for everyone that I worked with who brought me as brought me on as a director, international director last year, I'm thankful for them looking at me and like, yes, I trust you with the vision. I trust you with that. And that comes, that doesn't go unnoticed. You know, I, it's, I it's think much appreciated. For me, it's always about like, it's a culmination of hard work mm-hmm. and especially, uh, you know, going back to what we said before about being a woman of color and, and all that stuff seeing the the giant gaping hole that is not yet entirely filled mm-hmm. having someone as you said come around and not ask you if you were you know a waitress or yeah. whatever and being yeah. like yeah no we want we want layla yeah you know, get on you know get her on board yeah. yeah and i and i and i um you know i i'm excited because there are other things that i'm directing too so i'm directing a feature length film Lee Robertson is the writer. Actually, Lee was my first boss at the moving picture company when I graduated and I moved to London. Nice. He was my boss. And we re- he remained a mentor and a friend throughout all these years. Mm-hmm. And he wrote an incredible script. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called A Boy in the Beach. And it's about Tuskegee pilots. And nice. he called me Roscoe personally. Brown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He called me personally to say, you're ready. And I said, you think so? He goes... <laughs> You're ready. I want you to direct this. And I actually, there was a moment of self-doubt. And I was like, wait, check that. Check that fear right now. Check that shit. Because at first I was like, are you sure? Because we can get another like A-list director who's like really big. And, you know, I could come on board as a producer. And he was like, 
I, we're not. Did I stutter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, we're not. We're not even doing that right now. Yeah, like, no. no. Self doubt's one of the worst right. things you can do. And, Fear is a mind killer. I definitely Dude. have my moments. Like, I'm not a robot. I'm a human being. I sure. cry all the time. I have access <laughs> to my emotions. Like, if yeah. something dry, like if there's a commercial that I feel is compelling, I may cry to that. I'm like, oh my I... god, that sound design was amazing. <laughs> 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 like, I wonder what the budget was on it. <laughs> it's just what we do now, though. Right. That's, that's how we watch content. <laughs> but um but yeah so there to to i thank lee for that because i've had my moments of self-doubt I'm like i don't know maybe we should get another director or like mm-hmm. a big name and yeah. he's like why are you doing that yeah no you're ready and believing that and knowing it and just saying trust tr- you've done so much trust mm-hmm. continue to trust your your direction your north and knowing my purpose and i know my purpose so it's yeah. tough it's tough to take stock of your own work because yeah. The artist is uh, the consummate uh, self-doubter. Mm-hmm. The, the artist is their own worst like, enemy. Oh, it's never good enough. No. Oh, I could do this. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, oh, it happens to the best of us. It, it's <laughs> taken me many years as a, a creative person to be able to get away from that. Yeah. A lot of the time I say, well, it's out. I, yeah. I made something, and that's more than 50% of the people can say. Yeah, because everybody talks. Everyone talks and everyone shoots it. It's another thing to edit it. Which is why I say I respect <laughs> editors. And I've yeah. I've done that in the past too, sure. where I'm so sorry to any young actor or when I was young too, when we would make films and then I didn't have the budget to edit it and yeah. I was in school or to get shelved and, and yeah. it just sat. So I'm always like a supporter of anyone who's gotten through post production, even if you're not happy with it, but you did it. You yeah. you hit export. <laughs> you showed it you, to someone you else. You showed it to someone else. It does not just live in a timeline or in a sequence in Premiere anymore. Like it has or on a hard drive. Or on a hard drive, yeah. it has moved on. Mini like, DV that's tapes. That's a big accomplishment. Oh my gosh, so many. I still have stacks. Some I still got my stacks. Oh my so, yeah. I, know, I know quite a few people. Everything I've ever shot on Mini DV, yeah. I still have. <laughs> One of my even the crappy weddings that I got hired for, and we've all done that. Yeah. Still we've all, on we've Mini all DV. So so I'm. So I come to the table as a sound editor, designer, production, right? But uh, I write for Briefcase. I've done a little directing too. But um, you were talking about doing weddings and stuff. I've done mm-hmm. I've done Columbia films, Holden Boom poles, yeah. and I've edited. <laughs> I've done sound design for you know projects. Sweet sixteens. Oh, oh yeah. Jesus. Oh yeah. You Let me tell you. Do you. it. You got to yeah. do it. You got to do it. I remember. The guy I was dating at the time, this was so long ago, he and I were doing wedding videography and photography together. That's kind of dope, though. And it was, it, I felt we were a dynamic I duo. I like it. Yeah. And I think that's great. We were we were on a, on a roll with it. At one point, we made so much money that year. We were like, Spain? Yeah, let's mm. do it. And we were that's like, awesome. we're out. And we were so young. So it was also just like, we don't know what to do with this. But we <laughs> Rolling around in the bed in singles. Like, oh, it's indecent proposal. Absolutely. <laughs> Selfies with money. <laughs> this will never happen again. Right, Click. This will never happen again. Here we go. But, um, but yeah, so it's yeah wedding photography you name it i did it i cleaned yeah, toilets man. you know i was mm. you i i did it i i and i'm not i'm not afraid to like roll up the sleeves and keep sure. doing it and be in situations where it's like no this is a collective this is a family i'm a big believer that the energy on set there it's gotta it's gotta be a family not necessarily we need to be best buds but just knowing like no matter what, you still love your relative. And yeah. I look at that like I'm still going to have love for my crew and I want that energy to just exist on set. Um, 2019 has been a great year so far. And I say that because, you know, I've been 
blessed and fortunate and I give thanks for uh, being hired as the director of photography for Hennessy's We Are series for Black History Month. So that happened and uh, working with Olu um, Obafemi, which he's known by Olu Bliss. He's an incredible director, artist. He's a multi-layered artist. And he called me up last year, actually, when I was in Australia, he was like, hey, I want you to do, I want you to be the DP. I was like, you want me to be the, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I'm on board. And uh, we made something great. And it, it, I'm, I'm super proud of it. It's a three-part series, five minutes each. We interview luminaries that are within entertainment, music, education, tech. Um, they talk about men's mental health. They talk about what it is to be, to be black and beautiful and educated, their own struggles, their origins, and to be head of the design and framing for that look and feel, it, it's an honor to me. It's taken so long to get to that place. So when I do see myself there, I don't take it for granted. I'm like, it took a lot to be in that position. And also for me to then have the hiring position to decide who I want in my camera crew and in my lighting crew, like that is a big deal too. It's like, then I get to bring my friends, like my people that I know they're good in their craft. Mm -hmm. So I get in my head with those things too, because I look at them like, this is a, this is a dream, you know? And, you know, I just got back from LA and, um, I was hired as the director of photography for two commercials mm -hmm. for a very large Mexican food brand. And again, it was one of those aha moments where I just said, I'm really here. I'm really in Los Angeles. I, and for that particular production, I was the only woman in the camera and G and E department, like combined. Mm -hmm. And never did I feel that I was. I was treated equally. I, there was so much love on set because those moments do exist. But I walked out of there and I was like, "This was a fantasy. Like <laughs> everything was just perfect." And you know, the director that I worked with, Marcus Jimenez, I've also known him. We've had a long term relationship, and I think. One thing that I want to share is networking is key in this industry. It is. And maintaining maintaining that consistent level of developing relationships and the trust and the loyalty and knowing who your 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 family is, your your peoples, your your tribe, as Jessica says. Jessica's like, know your tribe, get your tribe. Yeah. And you know, to to echo that, yes. Find your tribe and make it together. Well, it isn't uh, just to uh, kind of dovetail that. It's not just about having these friends and relationships. Like cultivate them. Yeah, you know, true, you, true. I can be friends with the, you know Steven Spielberg, but if if I'm not good at what I do, is he ever going to give me a call? No. no. <laughs> so you know, and and just being friends. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always have to be production. It doesn't. Go have a beer. Who cares? Just chit chat. Whatever. I mean, but but networking. It's funny. Because I have my days, you, you you said right at the top, introvert, extrovert. So I have my days where I'm like, I hate people and I don't want to do <laughs> shit. But, you know, Dave will drag me out to a networking thing. And then the funny, yeah. th this is the funniest thing. I'll be in the car complaining mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. And as soon as I get there, I'm like, oh my God, hi everybody. And I'm like, the most charming guy in the room. And I'm like, Amy. and my radio voice, radio announcer voice comes on. Like, well, we work for Briefcase Productions. And, you know. Yeah, Matt's very, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta pull him to get him there. But once he's there. Yeah. 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 He, he turns on his switch and that's it. <laughs> so. But it's but you said that you, you you hit that one on the head. Networking is important. It's a shame sometimes to think that it's not what you know, but who you know. But to be fair, who you know is because of what you know. Like you again, like I said, like I can be a sound engineer, but am I good? Right. right. I, I don't want you know. 
So one of the struggles uh, I find for us is that I'm the audio guy, right? I do all the audio. So when it comes time, like for the last film we did, I wrote it and directed it. And I was like, well, who am I going to get to do audio? And then we kind of looked at each other and was like, all right, I guess I'll do audio. <laughs> but then the time before that, we had a project that we were both um, employed on. And I was on as director and he was... Shitfire? Excuse me. We dubbed it Shitfire. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and he was uh, camera. DP. Uh, DP, yeah. And so they had to hire an audio guy, and I was like, I don't know anyone. So they hired a guy, and I scrutinized him <laughs> hard. To be fair, I won't call him. Right. He was too slow and, you know. Changing batteries every 20 minutes. Oh. Yeah. Like, I didn't get that. Like, yeah. like batteries were going out of style with him or something. That's so, weird. so it's little things. It's just yeah. these little things. But, um, yeah, if you're good at what you do, you'll, I, I think you'll never have to worry about that. Mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're friendly with other um, production people, It'll, your work will show, like, let your work speak for itself yeah. and then you just be you. And if your work is great and you're an asshole, they'll probably hire you. Yeah. I still get work. <laughs> so, so, but if, yeah. if you're an amazing person and your work is shit, well, maybe you have something to worry about. Yeah. So, <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> All right. Um, so, I mean, as, when it comes to your professional uh, side, is there anything that I've missed that you want to talk about? You said, you know, you suck as a host. You, I can't believe we didn't talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell me I suck as a host. I, I won't take no, it personal. No, you don't I'm suck a, as I'm a host. I'm going to forget you in 20 minutes anyway. So no, fine, I'm no kidding. <laughs> um, is there anything that you you want to you wanna touch upon? Like, is there something that, like, like you got this opportunity to say whatever the hell you want to say? Uh, is there a project you want to promote? Yeah, I mean, the gig. Yeah. You know, the gig right. is going to keep growing. Mm -hmm. And Jessica and I, you know, we're focusing on that with Paolo. So we're, the platforms that we are using to our advantage right now are, you know, thing, we're using YouTube, we're using Facebook, we're using Instagram, and we're creating these up to 10-minute long-form videos that introduce... Excuse me, Hello. introduce. <laughs> what was that? Freudian slip. <laughs> I know. That's not getting edited introduce. out. Introduce. And uh, do it, do it, do It was weird because she was looking right at me. <laughs> so I was like, wow. All right. Shit. I was just kidding. Maybe it's like my subconscious saying cleansing. I don't F know. this I'm guy. Um, just assume you're insulting me. <laughs> no. But, um, but yeah, promoting the gig and just for everyone to be on the lookout for it. The gig Give series. Give us the addresses. Yeah. co the gig series on Instagram and just continue to follow us, support us where your favorite women of color producers that are creating content and giving you access to film reviews and also everything that is behind production with a spin on our take on it. 